Um, in case you're wondering, my name is not Neil, and I'm not married to the wonderful Kate. Um, <laughs> my name is Mike, and I'm married to the equally wonderful Lindsay. Um, and Neil was meant to be preaching today, but he's not feeling 100%, so um, I have stepped in. So if you're expecting him today, I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. Um, thank, thanks for the vote of confidence from this side. The rest of you are all um, got extra detention after church today. So we're going to be carrying on our series uh, looking at the story of the Bible and trying to break it down into six bite-sized chunks. We began by looking at creation, where the kingdom begins. Then we looked at the fall, where the kingdom rebels. And then a whistle-stop tour of the Old Testament, starting in Genesis 12, where the kingdom begins again. Last week, apparently, we looked at Jesus, where the, kingdom, where the king comes with his kingdom. Um, I was about 30 degrees warmer than this, um, handling a, a nephew's wedding in the middle of the South African bushveld. So, um, I know, it was tough. It was tough. I, I, I really missed you all. Um, I really, really, really missed you all. Um, <laughs> and this week, we're going to be looking at the church and as the kingdom is extended. And then next week, um, we'll wrap it up with the new creation and the king returns to rule and reign. So, why don't we pray before we start? Father God, we thank you for um, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together. Um, we thank you that we could get you, even with all the wind and weather that we've got going on. Um, we thank you for a relatively warm building, and we pray that as we look at your word today, that you will come and speak to all of us, that you will open up our hearts and speak to each of us directly, and um, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what comes to mind when I say the word church? For a lot of people, it's something to do with the idea of a building, with uncomfortable pews and people in funny-looking robes, um, although not for many of us, given our illustrious surroundings. Um, we are a grade two listed building, but just not for the same reason as many Norman churches. Um, if you were to ask a bunch of people on the street, what do you think of when I say the word church? Chances are it would definitely be a building. Um, for other people, uh, this may apply more to, to people like us. Um, what comes to mind is an event, probably in a building somewhere, sometimes in a field. Um, in a big tent. Um, every Sunday, or most Sundays, or the occasional Sunday for some of you. Um, other people, you know, an event at Christmas or Easter or the occasional wedding. Um, but if when someone asks you about your church, assuming that they know that you actually go to church and that you're actually a follower of Jesus, what do we say? Again, not always, but chances are we'll say something along the lines of, well, we meet in a school hall, and there's tea and coffee, oh, and awesome donuts, and 
We have an amazing band with guitars and drums and even a saxophone sometimes. And there's usually an amazing talk from the Bible, well, at least when Neil and Kate preach anyway. And we pray for each other. And yeah, it's great. Now, that's all fine. But what we're talking about here isn't so much church. It's more like Sunday mornings. Imagine if someone were to ask you to describe your family. What would you say? Well, on Mondays, we have supper at about 8 o'clock, and um, because it's Monday, we usually have something simple like pasta, and um, sometimes we have wine with a meal, not always, but sometimes, and um, sometimes we're all there, and sometimes some of us are there. Chances are, if we said that, the person we're talking to would go, well, that sounds lovely, but um, tell me about your family. Are you married? How long have you been married? How did you guys meet? Have you got any siblings? How old are they? What do you all do? Um, how do you do things like holding down a job while raising children and being married and traveling? And My point is that with all the time and energy we put into Sundays, and that's not a bad thing, but it can be easy to forget that church is so much more than this. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve sent out. These 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 twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions: Do not do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you as you go, proclaim this message: The kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Have you ever wondered why Jesus picked 12? Why not 5 or 11 or 57? Why 12? Well, if you were a first century Jew, the number 12 meant a great deal. If you were a first century Jew, when Jesus calls the 12, you'd immediately think of the 12 tribes of Israel. And in an instant, you would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. And what he was saying was he was calling together a new Israel. So Jesus calls this little band of pretty dysfunctional guys, not dissimilar to most of us in the room today, to pick up where Israel left off and carry the story forward. And these 12 apostles are to form the nucleus of what we now call the church. If we flip over to Matthew 16, verse 13, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now this is the first time the word church is used in the New Testament. And in Greek, because as you know I'm such a Greek scholar, it's the word ecclesia, which, as my fellow Greek scholars will know, is a compound noun made up of ek, which is a preposition meaning from or out of, and kalio, which is a verb meaning to call. So literally, the word ecclesia or church means the called out ones. So you're all the called out ones. Jesus is calling out a new people, a new Israel, a people no longer based on ethnicity, where just because you were Jewish, you were in, which is handy because for those of you who don't know, I'm Zimbabwean actually, although the Zimbabweans took away my citizenship, so then I became South African, and then the British gave me citizenship as well, so I don't know, I'm kind of a global mongrel. Um, (laughs) The story is for all peoples, as it says in the book of Revelation, from every tribe and tongue and nation. Jesus is calling out a new humanity to spread the kingdom of God all over the world, and even the gates of hell will not overcome it. And if you read through the, through the gospel, gosh. I've got a bit of water down there, Jay. It's okay? Fine. Okay. If you read through the gospels and into Acts 1, that's exactly what happens. The book of Acts is essentially the history of the first 30 years or so of the church. Have a look at Acts chapter 1, starting at the beginning. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. What Luke's saying is, in my last book, which we now call the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And what he's saying is, my next book, the sequel, is going to be all about what Jesus will continue to do through the church. Skip down to verse 8, and it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is basically the table of contents for the book of Acts. First, the church is there in Jerusalem, and it's only in Jerusalem, which is the capital. And it all starts with a few people, and then a few hundred, and then it grows, and then years later it spreads to, you guessed it, Judea. And then it kind of makes this jump and spreads across to Samaria, where there were Jews and Gentiles, which was a major move in church history. And by the end of Acts, some 30 years later, the church has spread all the way to Rome at the very epicenter of the Roman Empire. But before any of this happens, first things first in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so from the power of the Holy Spirit, all this other stuff to the very ends of the earth will come to pass, which all kicks off literally in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Thanks, Jay. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, the church, as the early followers of Jesus, are all together in Jerusalem for Pentecost, which was a Jewish feast. This was a feast to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. And the basic idea was um, the, the first fruits, like the first buds of, of wheat and grain, would be harvested and taken in and um, served as an offering to the Lord. So the whole harvest hadn't come in yet. They hadn't, um, they hadn't decided how much they were going to have or how great a harvest it was going to be. But this was a celebration of what was to come. And over the years, this feast became symbolic for way, way more than just agriculture and the, the harvest that was going to come in. It became a symbol for how the kingdom of God was going to come one day in the future. And so this whole thing isn't random or haphazard. God didn't send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost just because he felt like it, woke up one day and went, okay, well, let's just send the Holy Spirit down today. This is God's way of saying, listen, Israel, that thing that you've been waiting for for hundreds of years, it's finally here. And the first thing you see the Holy Spirit does is build community. The Spirit of God falls and lands on everyone like fire, and then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and a whole bunch of other hard words in parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? It's like, I was thinking about this last night, and it's like, imagine we've got the Olympics coming up this year, and you have all these hundred and something countries gathering together. And like it's happening in Japan, imagine these Japanese people standing up and speaking to everyone in their languages. You'd be like, wow, these guys are amazing. Um, but it's like the 21st century now, whatever century we're in. And um, so we're more used to it now. Back in this day, people weren't used to someone else speaking their language. It's not like, you know, Kim and Patrick arriving from South Africa and they go, oh, everyone speaks English here, it's amazing. Like, um, I'm joking with them because they, they're from an English background, but a lot of South Africans um, are Afrikaans speakers, so they would, they would be amazed that people could actually understand what they were saying here. Um, it's like the Tower of Babel in reverse. All these people from all the corners of the globe being pulled into the community of faith as the Spirit of God enables these Galileans to declare the wonders of God in their own language. It's the Spirit of God doing what God loves to do, establishing and building relationship. It's the shalom of the kingdom right there. So the Spirit of God comes in power, 
And then Peter stands up and he starts to preach the gospel, that Jesus is the king and that the kingdom of God is here. And then right at the very end, we read this in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Must have been some sermon that Peter preached. I mean, there's not even 300 of you in here, so um, I couldn't dream of that. But then um, in the next paragraph, we get, a, we get a glimpse into the church where it says in, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, kind of what I'm attempting to do today, and to fellowship or deep, meaningful relationships and community, such as our house groups and other small groups, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, um, which is basically what we do with, um, with the, the Lord's Supper. So if you don't know how the Lord's Supper works around here, um, we have gluten-free bread and grape juice at the front here. You come up, you grab a piece of bread, dip it in the grape juice. Um, that's how we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, and we pray for each other. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They shared themselves with one another and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to, one, to anyone who had need. Yeah, you need some money? Yeah, some money. You need a jumper? Here's a jumper. You need a car? Here's a car. Every day, every day, we get off so easy just meeting on Sundays. Um, I know some of you would like to come here every day, but um, others of you are like, oh, Sunday, I've got to go to church today. Like, um, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, thousands of people all together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Larger gatherings like this and small gatherings in one another's homes, like small groups. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Sounds awesome. Like, they must have had so much fun. Now, this church, if you keep reading, was anything but ideal. If you carry on reading through the New Testament, you see letter after letter to churches that have just got things, got things wrong. Um, this church was messy, just like this church. Um, just like every other church on the planet. Keep reading and you'll come across Ananias and Sapphira, which all gets a bit weird and um, dark. So it wasn't perfect, but it was a healthy, thriving community. As we work through this series, have you noticed that each and every time the way the kingdom of God spreads, right from Jerusalem through to Putney today, the way the kingdom of God spreads is through people. It's been through people right from the, be the very beginning. God's been looking for people to co-rule in the kingdom of God. He started with Adam and Eve. That didn't work out so well. So he tried Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel. Didn't go so well either. So finally, after failure, after failure, after failure, God said, all right, if you want something done right, do it yourself. So where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus did not. Where Israel failed... Jesus did not. Where you failed, where I fail, on daily, hourly, and minute-by-minute -minute basis, Jesus does not. He did what, what you and I, what Adam and Eve, what Israel could never do. And now, on the other side of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, nothing's really changed. 
Still to this day, God is again calling out a people to co-rule in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and if you're thinking, well, how will it be different? Adam and Eve messed up. Israel messed up. We continue to mess up. Well, what's changed? Jesus changed everything for one, and now we have the Spirit of God. So the whole ballpark has changed. It's a completely different game altogether. It's like um, if you're a rugby fanatic, um, it's like we've got an extra player or two on the field. Um, the church is anything but perfect. How can it be? It's full of people like you and me. Um, we all stumble and we all fall and we all fail. And we all pick ourselves up again and we confess our sins and we get on with it. But because of Jesus, because we're all people who walk with the Spirit of God, who mess up time and time again, um, led by the Spirit, we can be a people who walk in repentance and forgiveness and transformation and change and hope and faith and love. Because we have the Holy Spirit deep inside, that makes everything different. And this kingdom which was inaugurated by the coming of Jesus and extended in and through the church and people like you and me will spread inch by inch, mile by mile, city by city to the very ends of the earth as Jesus returns. And Jesus' language is kind of like a seed in a field or yeast in a loaf of bread. It just permeates everything. The kingdom of God will, will spread and permeate and go throughout all the world. So how, how will this happen? Will it be through news or social media or email? How will the kingdom of God spread? Jesus isn't here anymore. He's, as we all know, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So how will the kingdom of God spread through all the world? And the answer is through the church, through the spirit-empowered community of Jesus, quite simply, through you and through me. And this is exactly what so many of you are doing. It's exactly who so many of you are today. Those who open up your homes each week to lead a small group, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. Those of you who serve at food bank or job club or little fish, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. Those of you who get here early on a Sunday morning to set up or lead worship or serve on the laptop or tea and coffee or the welcome team, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. Those of you who serve so faithfully on, on Vineyard Kids and Youth, again, getting here early and setting up and um, introducing a whole new generation to Jesus and the, the wonders of his kingdom, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. Those of you who just love your neighbors and serve those around you, you chat to moms at the school gate or um, chat to colleagues at the water cooler, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. Every time you pray for someone, every time you share with someone what Jesus is doing in your life, whether you realize it or not, you're extending the kingdom of God. And so, in and through the church, the shalom, the kingdom of God, is being extended everywhere in every way. There's so much more to church than just this, thankfully. Don't get me wrong, this is amazing. Um, 
I, I, love, I love all of you guys. I love Sunday mornings. Um, but I didn't send a, surrender my life to Jesus for mediocre coffee and dodgy heating. Um, to, paraphrase, to paraphrase John Wimber, please don't tell me I gave up drug, drugs and rock and roll for this. Um, we are called to so much more than Sunday mornings. We are called to extend God's kingdom in every way, every single day. Um, you know, chat to, chat to people like the Drossers who served in our food bank team on a Sunday for years and years, like five or six years. Um, chat to, to people who come to Job Club and see how God is working in lives of, of people who've, who've grown up on this estate with no hope and very little love and see how Jesus is touching their lives. We are called to so much more than this and um, what we're going to do this morning is we are going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us with his power so that we can get out and do the stuff, not just sit in pews or comfortable blue chairs and drink lukewarm coffee. So if we can get the band back, why don't you all stand? We've got loads of time before you need to go and collect kids or anything like that. Um, we also believe that, that not only did God send his Holy Spirit to empower us, but he also speaks to us um, through words and visions and dreams. So I'm going to call a couple of people up to come and that um, they don't even know this, but I'm just going to call them up to come and share with us this morning. So, um, Brian. <laughs> Brian loved it that I was away for a week because I couldn't wind him up about the rugby. Um, but I'm back now, so he's very happy to have me back. Um, and Patrick. So what we're going to do now is the band's going to play. Um, you guys, if you've got any words, this is the microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll give it to Brian. Yeah, yeah, I'll call. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to worship now, and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to, to each and every one of us. Um, if you're comfortable, put your hands out. Um, and just invite God to come and, come and speak to you, come and fill you up, come and empower you to get out there and extend his kingdom.